Thanks for joining us for the MassMEP Manufacturing Podcast, Transforming Manufacturing Enterprises. MassMEP believes that there are some elements to a manufacturer's business, whether it's finding their inefficiencies, strengthening their internal processes, or even unlocking their growth, that can extend a manufacturer beyond its current limitations. So every episode, take a journey with us as we speak with manufacturers, legislature, subject matter experts, and so many more as we head down the path of manufacturing across the state of Massachusetts. Whether we're in Boston, Worcester, or out in Springfield, maybe even in the Berkshires, we'll be here every week and we'll explain to you more about manufacturing and what's happening right in your own backyard. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mass MEP Manufacturing Podcast. I'm Haley Steele. And I'm Kevin Tata. Mm, on cue that time. We're not delayed. Right on cue, right, right after you. Good job. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, so we've just been talking and a uh, little, little change up today and how we're going to do some things. But um, we have one of our guests, uh, two of our guests, sorry, one of our favorite companies that we work with are back for us. This is our third of our series on the Manufacturing Your Future Smart Manufacturing Breakout Sessions. And these two guests um, have been, I would say you're, they're almost like regulars now. They've been on this so many times with us. It has been a real hot, long minute since they've been on here though. So um, this is your first time with them, Kevin. So you'll- I'm excited. You'll, you should be. Yeah. Yeah. You should. We miss these. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a whole new world when we're done with this, Kevin. You'll see what it's like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'll be eye opening. Yeah. So today we're here um, with our uh, Cinegex crew, um, Pete and John. Uh, they are, they're back with us. We're talking cybersecurity from our cybersecurity breakout session uh, that we did. So welcome back, guys. Glad to have you back. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. Good. It's been uh, been a long time. They are so prepared for today. They cannot wait. They've got information busting at the seams to uh, for us to talk about today. It, it's a beautiful day to talk cybersecurity. Anytime, anytime. As usual, you know how we do this. We're going to do a little bit of an icebreaker question. Yeah. All right. All right. Fire away. Let's All right. Do this. So this so this one hits home for me because I am a massive game show fan like religious religious watcher of many many game shows and so this question is what game show do you think you could go on and win oh you took a pivot at the end there i thought you were just gonna ask me what my favorite one was nope Ooh. nope you gotta you gotta be confident in your abilities maybe watch it a couple times at home feel confident ah. going in there to win you know, I was going to say, you know, pressure luck because that was super fun to watch. But that with that little pivot, I would have to, I, I mean, Wheel of Fortune. I, I guess I've seen so many of these like little snippets recently of these horrible Wheel of Fortune fumbles that I am feeling super confident about it right now. So it's, it's Wheel of Fortune for sure. That's great. That's great. Oh, that's, that's one of the ones that I watch religiously, like almost every single night. So that's great. <laughs> And John awesome. steals that right out of my mouth. I was like, oh. I just read the about Pat Sajak retiring, and I'm like, oh, that's huge. And what is it? 40 years of Wheel of Fortune. It's incredible. I'm sorry, did you just break news to me? Is Pat Sajak retiring? 
He has Whoa. said that at the end of this season, he would retire. So oh. I think it's 41 years. Yeah. Wow. Pete, wow. You, I'm sure you can come up with something. something yeah, I, I was going to go with, uh, now I can't think of the right title for it. There's the, so I can see your voice, I think it is, or I can hear, I think it's oh. I can see your voice. Um, so it's a, a, a game show in which, there's a whole bunch of contestants and some people actually can sing and others cannot. And mm -hmm. so you, you, I think they're, you're trying to fake it. Like you were just lip syncing and then they have to decide, was that your voice or was it not? And then wow. the person actually sings. <laughs> Pete, you are a fascinating creature. Can you sing? <laughs> I cannot, but I love the show. I think my kids would be totally entertained by it. Like, I love that. I think answer. I could belt out a good uh, lip sync oh version God. and then go from there. You know what, John? Like, I'm thinking the same kind of stuff, but I'm like, coming from where we were almost two years ago when we got on a podcast, and he's like, I'm not comfortable. I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. He's now on a See Your Voice game mm -hmm. show. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, what has I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, Peter, Peter has just evolved into this incredible creature. I'm so proud of him. Well, when Kevin started asking the question, I'm like, oh, he's going sports again. I just going to crush me. <laughs> nope, nope. I like that oh, pick. Though. I've seen, I've seen that show a few times, and that's that's a great pick. That's a deep cut. Oh God, <laughs> Kevin, I have to commend you. This is probably one of the best icebreaker questions I think that's ever been asked. Yeah, one-on-one, I'm done after this. It's, it's no, the no, 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 you just got to keep getting better. Um, oh, I, I set the bar way too high then. <laughs> this is so good. I have to go with, it's either um, password or a $100,000 pyramid. Wow, yep. Um, Whoa. I, think I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with, oh God, it's so hard. I think, oh, I got to go with $100,000 pyramid. I think I got to go with that one. I forgot about that show. That was a great one. Yeah. That's a great I, show. He, Michael Strahan. Yeah. Okay. I think Chuck Woolery did it first. Listen, yeah, all you people out right. there, Michael Strahan doesn't do, he didn't do everything. He didn't invent everything. I know everybody <laughs> thinks that, but like, yeah, I might not have been Chuck Woolery. I got to, I got to do a little Google searching now to see who originally, but yeah, um, I think that's it. I think I could do it. I think I could win a hundred thousand dollars. Is it a million dollar pyramid now, though? No, it's a hundred thousand. Oh, it's, it's still. I was. I didn't yep. know with inflation. I wasn't sure. If, I know that's a lot of winning. effort for a hundred thousand. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, that's Kevin, fair. what about you? I think. I mean, I don't. It's a little. It's a little weird because I don't know if this really counts. But I, I'm going Family Feud. I mean, it's a team game, but I mean, Love I think it. I could contribute very well. Maybe go to Fast Money afterwards. Yes. And like, yes. You know, so that's where it comes down to just me and my partner, I guess. But that's the uh, that's the game show uh, I'm choosing. I'm I'm confident in my Family Feud abil abilities. I would screw that one up. I would have, be having too much fun. I, it, I feel like on Family Feud, there's just way too much entertainment. I'd I'd lose it. I'd lose yeah. it. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be able to focus. That's a good point. You get egged into a goofy answer or something like that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I think yeah. what we need to do is, Kevin, I think you need to go online. I think you need to submit for us to have a panel in Family Feud. And a we mass need MEP to go on Family show. Feud? Just this group. Yeah. Oh, this we group. Need to go, yeah, this group right That's here. Great. I love we that. need to go on and do Family Feud. I'll go Feud. on with you guys. Yes. I love that. See? Pete's in. Like, yeah, totally. Can, Let us can on. I host it? 
<laughs> You've got some good answers in there. Yeah. <laughs> I just um, want to be the MC. Yeah. You can't. Steve Harvey's all over that. I know. I know. Oh, He's much better than I am. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to come up with some really like outlandish answer at some point so that he can just, just tear you to shreds when yeah. you make oh the God. answer. Yeah. Cause he'll really look at you like you really are a moron. Mm -hmm. I think I could fill that role. <laughs> that's it we're pivoting this whole podcast it is cybersecurity family feud yeah yeah i love, I it. love it i think it's great now there's a there's always a way that we can tie it back to you know talking about you know our, being on our game shows and how important it is to uh make sure that we're cyber security fied in our world um <laughs> It's funny because when we we always talked about when we always got together, we always talked about what was happening now or what was going on. And I think every time we just sat at the our in our meeting at our table where we get together and we spoke about it doesn't matter. Like this, this has never changed. This has never gone away. This is never going to go away. But now what I think is interesting in our world is it's becoming more at a personal level too. It's really starting to hit home. So those of you that are sitting at home watching your game shows in between those game shows, there's going to be commercials that are about your personal cybersecurity at home. So it's really starting to make a much larger impact. Um, how many people now have been affected by some form of a cyber attack in some way, shape or form, if it's at my mom's dentist office I was locked out for like a week, you know? So it's definitely, it's definitely something that runs the entire gamut of personal through business. But obviously for us, what's important is we talk about our manufacturers and why they need to be on top of this. And I asked Pete earlier about, you know, the breakout session. And he said he was surprised by, you know, the amount of smaller manufacturers that were really in this breakout session um, and they're kind of, you know, I'm gonna ask you two to kind of go over it, but did you feel as though they weren't quite as, um, they didn't have the knowledge? Were they a little kind of off a little bit or did they know, but they weren't really 100% certain this was something that was important for them? I, I felt like the feedback we were getting was, more toward the, hey, we are more aware of it now. We're seeing and hearing from others in similar size uh, organizations around Massachusetts that are being affected by this. And a lot of times now they're, and we were hearing this there as well, that they uh, know someone close. It's not just someone across the state or in the Boston area or a larger company. It's small organizations that are getting hit by ransomware and other types of cyber attacks. Yeah, I, I think in that session, we had quite the mix, right? I think we had some prime contractor representation. We had some uh, some small manufacturing. I think we also had some nonprofits uh, in there, right? Which Which was interesting. And uh, what I'd say in the in those breakout sessions, there was uh, a, a pretty sort of, I guess, a, a mixed bag of understanding of, of of the topic and a lot of curiosity about you know ways to sort of deal with it. Um, and uh, it, it was kind of cool to see 
the, the, the mix of folks, right? We've been obviously doing a lot of work for the DOD supply chain and compliance focused, right? We have to do this and able to, to, to be able to do business. Um, but to your point, Haley, I mean, it is truly affecting everybody at this point. You know, we, we, we always got the questions of when it's appropriate to make those investments. Now, what we're seeing is that there's a lot of folks who are being reactive to it, right? Which which is unfortunate in a way, right? I, it, you know, we, we, we hope to, to sort of prevent these sorts of things from happening, but at this point, you know, everyone's a target, individuals, net worth doesn't matter, right? Uh, size of your company doesn't matter, dentist's office, it's, it's everyone's a target. Yeah, what, so why don't you give us a bit of a highlights of what you went over in your breakout session? What were your key points that you targeted in each of those sessions? So, yeah, yeah we ahead. covered uh, the risk perspective so that you, you've got to uh, start weighing that risk of where do we fit into this and what are our risks in our organization. So going back toward the assessment side of things to kind of judge what some of those cybersecurity risks are and how, how strong you are to protect your organization from those. Uh, we talked a bit about some myths that... Um, deal with cybersecurity. So, and that goes back to what I just pointed out with the small organizations that one of those myths was that, hey, we're too small. And for a mm -hmm. long time, that was the opinion. Hey, we're just too small. We don't have to deal with it. It's not true. Uh, those cyber um, cyber threats and threat actors, they're going after the small organization too. They're finding it's just as easy to make five to 10 grand than it was to go after that mm -hmm. um, multi-million or down to a hundred plus thousand dollar um, uh, company. So yeah, if you can add up those smaller organizations, you're making something off of it. And they tend not to um, oftentimes uh, look at the risk of, okay, how strong is our, our backup policy or something like that? And is someone checking on it? So if you get hit with ransomware, there oftentimes you're, you're held hostage because of that, that, hey, I have to pay something because I can't get my critical data back. Um, trying to think of what else yeah. we 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 uh we kick off every one of these presentations with a slide that we we love right we we kick off a cybersecurity pre presentation with a risk rainbow woof I'm I'm sure we're gonna get tons of people to sign up for the next one right um <laughs> the the reason why why that's important is that I think that risk mentality that Pete's talking about it's not something that a lot of small businesses are gonna spend time on right I, I mean it's non revenue generating. Uh, you know, small businesses, we don't have the, the, the cash or the time to be able to think about these things. We kind of use, you know, our own judgment on, on what's a risk and what's, a, you know, what's an operational risk, what's a financial risk. Um, the, the challenge is, is exactly what we're talking about, right, it, is that this is now in our face. And so how do we deal with it? Um, this idea of the, this risk rainbow that we always use we believe is a way to make this very complicated problem simple, right? Uh, as IT companies that, that we run across, uh, you know, across the country, uh, 
a lot of IT companies are very motivated in selling tools to address problems, but in, in our perspective, it's it's more than that, right? We're, we If we're going to do right by one of our clients, we're going to talk about the different ways in which threat actors are going to attack, right, a, a certain business. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, that's, that's more focused on education. It's more focused on people. Um, Physical, physical security is a big piece uh, of the pie as well, right? If we're a small dentist's office, we may have all of our most critical assets <laughs> exposed in an, in an unlocked closet, you know, that everybody's putting their coats in. Um, <laughs> these are challenges that you wouldn't naturally associate with cybersecurity, but if you look at the issue as a, a risk issue and you identify what's important to the environment, it helps kind of make the world a little simpler, right? What, what, what things should we be thinking about? What should we be investing in to improve our overall uh, cybersecurity? What's the biggest bang for our buck, you know, considering what we do and what's important? It's those things and those conversations that are most critical. And we try to start every cybersecurity conversation with this mindset. It's a, it's a difficult topic. Yeah. So we talked about like the questions that, are, you know, some of the most common questions that you got from doing the, the breakout sessions. Um, I think this one's interesting. Pete's, you know, I asked, I said, hey, can you send over the questions? And he's like, here's some of the questions. The one of the questions was, what are the most common ways that hackers attack networks? I I mean, for me, I've been on with you guys many a time. So I feel very knowledgeable now after all the time that we've spent together. So I kind of look at this and go, I can't, I'm I'm kind of flabbergasted. Somebody's asking this question. That's right. I that you would think at this point everyone knows or would seem to know the answer to that or or have a pretty good shot at okay, these are the things I'm going to do to protect our network so I know how to protect against hackers. We've brought it up probably on on every call that we've been on, podcast, webinar, that it's it's the phishing and the personal aspect that's probably your number one security risk that that you have to train your staff, you have to protect from that risk. I think it was appropriate, Kevin, bringing in the example of the icebreaker of this morning because the game show idea that we talked about this on one of our, we ended one of our calls with those Facebook things. They're kind of uh, similar to that, that game show ask kind of feel that we're asking you all these questions that are like, they make it fun like that, like you're on a game show, but all they're doing is trying to fish for that data to figure out what was your child's middle name or whatever it is, or your favorite color to try to whittle away at how do we attack your data and get some personal information from you. Um, yeah, I think, I, I think during, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. My my memory's horrible, but in those breakout sessions, we we also, in response to this question, talked about uh, a Cisco commercial, right? That I that I remember, and and it's sort of a, an, an interesting visual and sort of how some of these things happen. Um, in this commercial, uh, there is uh, a young person sitting in a coffee shop in front of a computer just doing work, right? It's a normal, uh, you, you'd think nothing of it if you saw this in real life. It's at Starbucks, somebody's on their laptop 
And to fast forward to sort of the end of this commercial, what it, what it portrays is that this person is actually a threat actor, right? And doesn't know it. It's, it's an actual employed uh, young person doing work that is actually uh, gathering information for ill intent. And I, I believe that those, uh, those scenarios actually exist, right? So uh, I think we like to think about the hackers, the folks that are, that are trying to get into our network as, as evil people behind the matrix that are just trying to, to break into our networks. And the truth of the matter is, is I, I think that uh, more often than not, it's, it's, it's attacking sort of this human element, sometimes doing it in innocent ways or unknown ways. And, and at the end, yes, there, there clearly are some, some, some threat actors out there that are pretty bad folks, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of wild, right? It's sort of how it actually goes down. Yeah. Well, I think too, the, you know, when we, one of the other questions was how can we train employees to be more security aware? Um, I think you always saying about the education, you know, and continually, I love the, uh, the analogy of the, the, the secure data is in with the coat closet. Um, and it really is, it's simple things that, um, we obviously become more aware of in, in learning and listening to this, but if you could, you know, what's, what's some of the things you could give them that would be, that would hit that, you know, how to train the employees to be more security aware. Yeah, it breaks my heart, but be paranoid, be paranoid. <laughs> it, it breaks my heart, you know. I, I mean, I think uh, the, the the way that that uh, I guess the the size of the threat, right? Uh, we we talk about AI a lot. Uh, I've I've just sat on a panel recently with the Secret Service representative in the state. And talking about cybersecurity, you know, trying to educate folks and listening to their perspective on it, they actually are employing folks to deal with this, right, in in the western part of Massachusetts, and 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 there are certainly, you know, other representatives across the state. But this is something that is newer for for Western Mass because it's such an issue. Mm. And, uh, you know, I I think. AI, you know, new technology is going to make this worse, right? It's going to make it uh, even harder to understand when someone is uh, is trying to compromise your security, mm -hmm. and it's a uh, it's 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 sad, right? I, I mean, I think uh, unfortunately, until we find better ways to deal with this sort of technology and uh, and risk, right, mm -hmm. we, we're really going to have to be paranoid uh, about uh, what we're doing, right? About how we're posting on social media, about what we're saying in front of devices, about where we're putting our images, uh, and about, of course, you know, uh, how we respond to emails. It's it's just a it's it's a different world, and of course, cybersecurity solutions and the United States will will evolve and respond to these risks. But for now, we're we're really in a place where these risks are much larger. Than anything you know, technology can handle alone. So you got to be paranoid. Do you think it's important for companies to implement some form of like a standard onboarding process of doing like something like a cybersecurity for their staff and their employees talking about things like that? That's yeah, a great point, and that's required when you're trying to meet things like the CMMC 2.0 or NIST 800-171, that that's a requirement. Your staff has to get some training as they're onboarded, but 
then it needs to be ongoing. You can't just do it and not just annually either. Something to keep it fresh. So, and, and in that, whatever that training package is, you have to keep it relevant. So, uh, and use some, and we use a company that does some training videos. So it's a series and they can regularly uh, email those out and they, they're updating their content too to make it either you're still trying to scare them but make it fun make it funny mm -hmm. uh, but something that stands out they go oh my gosh like I do need to be more vigilant about those emails that I'm just opening and clicking on on the next link to get a discount or whatever it might be and it's had to get a lot of oh sorry Pete go ahead no worries uh the to John's point I just wanted to point out to the AI side of things and we made a point of this in our our session is that um, so as people are these threat actors aren't always people that even know how to hack or program and that AI is going to increase that ability yes. more and more and in the past uh, you would still find people that were just doing it with okay I could send out simple emails with some links to try to get data but now you lay on top of that the AI functionality and those points that John was making that that AI is capable to go out there and look at your social media. So I can put in that I want this email from John Sinopoli to go to all of his staff asking for the past things are like, buy me some, uh, some cards for, um, to, for as gifts to employees or something mm -hmm. and then send them here, whatever it might be. But mm -hmm. now, and oftentimes even the, it could be with some broken English that it doesn't sound quite right when you read the message, but okay, now I just plug it into AI and I want it to sound appropriate. I want it to sound like it did come from that individual and it does it very, very well. Have you guys played with any of the AI tools, Haley or Kevin? I'm anti-AI. I, I oh, despise no. it. Um, and, it, and I did get told the other day, I need to find a way to, um, just dabble in it. I mean, I, I just like to get a glimpse of what it comes up with. Maybe, I mean, just using it as a tool for yourself. I mean, just coming up with ideas for certain things. Um, and it's a, it's a great tool to just get the mind working, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, we're here talking about it as a threat, of course. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, stuff on Netflix. We think Terminator, right? This is sort of the future yeah. of AI. Um, you should yeah. watch the Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff. It's pretty good. Um, yeah. anyway, anyways, uh, there's, there, there's a lot of uh, interesting uh, stuff to it, right? I was sitting in a actually a, a banking meeting yesterday, and we were talking about how to do pivot systems and systems architecture to leverage AI to provide a more human experience to banking customers, right? So picture a world where you could walk into a branch and, you know, devices could identify you, could, under, could, could use some of these publicly available information sources to, to get a decent sense for what you're going through or, or what mood you're in or, or what's happening to provide a tailored retail experience. And I think those sorts of opportunities, you know, take all of these things that we're talking about and paint a picture of of something that could be great right it could be more human could be more more social connection um but yeah the fact of the matter is you know those same technology and that same information can be used in pretty malicious ways so uh it's it's definitely something you have to be conscious of but uh you know 
can't be afraid of Haley. You, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta dive in a little. I don't trust it. I've seen too many of <laughs> I'll be back. Like, yeah, <laughs> I got it. I saw all three movies. The fourth one that just came out not too long ago. Like you can't, those that you can't kill the Terminators. They're very <laughs> difficult to kill. So I don't have that plan ready to roll yet with them. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. We tend to get a lot of pushback on uh, installing, you know, some of these controls and some of these education pieces in businesses to deal with uh, th this sort of fear, um, you know. So, at, in the end, you know, there's there's sort of this. Uh, I, th I think a lot of folks are just sort of content to just do nothing, right? Let's let's uh, let's just continue to educate ourselves. Let's uh, let's the business is fine. We've been doing okay, um, but. Uh, the fact of the matter is that you know that these things exist. They're accelerating and and being used at a pace that's unbelievable. And you know, I think uh, this this sort of idea of being even a little paranoid is is kind of just going to become the new norm if it's not already moving in that direction. Right. Totally. So, where do you see cybersecurity on a pri uh, priority scale to these manufacturers, or what do you think it should be on their priority scale? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I guess um, in manufacturing, you know, it's it's interesting twist on the question because there's so much that can be affected by the risk. Mm -hmm. You know, we we work across lots of entities, and and um, different businesses use technology in different ways. And that critical information is different in every industry. In manufacturing, right? We have, uh, we we have to start moving towards industry 4.0. We have to start looking towards automation. Inevitably, machines, old machines, they're going to break down. We and, and we and we need to refresh those machines that have more technology in them. Um, just you know, all these things we talk about, cost of workforce and automation, all, they all introduce more element of technology, which, in and of itself, will increase risk, right? And so, to answer that question appropriately, I think, you know, we need to we need to kind of understand where we are in that evolution, right? And uh, I, I believe in that in that session, our uh, our speaker with with Mass MEP, right, the keynote was talking about sort of the, the death of small manufacturing that isn't moving along that evolution scale. Um, of course, you know, we, we didn't talk a ton about cybersecurity during the keynote, that would have just put everybody to sleep. But the, the, truth, the truth of the matter is, yeah, as you, as you start to, to sort of invert that and, and invest more in technology, there's way more risk. And so that priority and that investment in cybersecurity needs to, to go up. Uh, and so, yeah, hopefully that answers the, the question, Kevin. It's it's not a one size fits all. In general, in Massachusetts, our uh, our feeling is that you know for folks you know maybe aren't thinking about it enough, and at least in, not until that something happens. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, uh, so OT operational technology, that manufacturing technology, those machines, the CNC machines, whatever it might be out on the floor, now getting automated was very separate from IT, information technology, your, your back office, your carpeted area of the facility. So, and, and now they're being more and more merging together, but we, and we shared this information too at our, in our breakout session is that 
the rate of increase of hacks and threats toward the operational technology is just skyrocketing because for so long it seemed like it was the protected network no one was going after that data a lot of it wasn't directly connected to the internet or the rest of the network now it is now to automate you have to get data from those back-end systems and and uh, so there's constantly data between that it and ot technology and the vulnerabilities identified in that ot technology or your um, so those devices or your IoT or industrial IoT, Internet of Things devices is just going up and up and up that um, I think. So I use this number that typically in a year you'd identify somewhere around a thousand to maybe fifteen hundred uh, vulnerabilities found in that uh, OT technology. This year alone, we've more than doubled that before we hit the half halfway point so and that's going up every single day that new vulnerabilities are found so finding ways to protect even that and we're not just talking about now trying to update your windows systems in that uh, industrial tech area you're also looking at how, how do we patch and, and when a new vulnerability is found from that uh, controller on one of these machines are we patching that or do we have a plan in place for that Wow. Right. So you're seeing you're seeing cybersecurity affecting these companies now. It's not it's not going to affect them down the road. It's it's starting now and it's going to continue if you don't amp up your cybersecurity. Yeah, I, I think so. We had uh, we had Steve Donnelly right um, with us in this in this breakout session. And I think he told a pretty honest story. I was pretty impressed, uh, you know, with his uh, with his vulnerability. Right. He uh uh, our, our introduction to uh, a lot of customers is during an attack, right? Something bad has happened. We've lost faith in how we manage IT if, you know, someone was doing that at all. And uh, we just need someone to come in and, and help help us from drowning, right? Help us from limiting damage, reputation, and, you know, all the bad things that happen when, when this stuff happens. And uh, he, you know, I, I think uh, Steve was very honest in in, in sort of explaining how uh, they they came from a very bad place to uh, to feeling like we have you know some of this stuff under control, uh, moving towards taking more DoD business and and now feeling like you know we're we're ahead and we know exactly sort of what we need to do to address our remaining compliance gaps and we have a good understanding of risk. Um, I, I think that was, you know, that that relationship with with Steve started years ago, right? So we're 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 absolutely in a place where, um, if we're not thinking about investing in cybersecurity, then then we're uh, we're maybe even a little behind. Right. Wow. It seems as though um, it's kind of funny. We we always go back and forth when we talk about you know the CMMC and the eight hundred one seventy one and the 27,001, you know, we talk about the DOD side of things, but, um, and those are their primary focuses that, you know, we work with you guys on too, but it's definitely more of the conversation. I know when we started this almost, two, it was almost two years ago when we had these conversations, it definitely was more of a, well, what is this? And do I need to do this? Whereas now it is like what you said earlier at the very beginning, Pete, where there's or John, one of you said about them being in the rooms and they do know about it. And it has become 
um, a priority that's something that's not, I'm, I think our hope is that there's not as much of that where they're coming to you too late. There's more of the, the prep work. Um, they're not being as reactive, but they're being more proactive now because of our work and trying to make sure that everybody has the knowledge and the education, at least some way, shape or form. Um, you guys do your videos, you know, that you put out and you give that information. I think even those little pieces is what helps it keep it in that top of mind. And then that keeps the manufacturers kind of going, well, you had these cybersecurity guys in there and they talked about a couple of different things and what, you know, where am I, like you said, with depending on where they are in their level, um, where are they in, in their process? Where are they in what they're doing? Um, are they in smart manufacturing and automation? Or are they still just doing regular manufacturing? I think we've kind of stated it can, be, it can blanket all of that. And it is important for them to proactively think it through and see if this is something that is a need for them. We've talked multiple times about the losses that people have incurred because they haven't been as proactive and more reactive. And you know, your hundreds of thousand dollars ransom that you're paying because you didn't do the proper cybersecurity from the beginning. And it can start with very simple, small steps and, and going into that. But there are other layers that you guys work with as well um, when it comes to like the DOD side of things or standard manufacturers and any business really in general, you guys pretty much what is what is the um I guess this is for curiosity for me, what is the largest sector of businesses that you actually work with? Mm, the the largest uh, I, I'd say the largest um, by uh, by volume is absolutely manufacturing and and DoD. Um, we do uh, our, our largest clients. Uh, may not be DOD, right? I, I think uh, if I'm thinking through this, Pete, right? We we uh, just started working with a concrete company that has hundreds of employees, right? And and that's a I think that's a great one, right? That's a great example of uh, a company who maybe doesn't have the same sort of risk tolerance that a DOD contractor would. It, they they may be okay with yeah. a little bit of, of cyber risk. Uh, and it's just as difficult for them to wrap their heads around, you know, how do we deal with this, right? Even uh, we, we have professionals telling us, we have to put all of this stuff in. Well, you know, I, I, you know maybe I don't care if my email's hacked. We sell concrete, it's, it's okay, right? Um, what's the most critical thing in this business? Well, obviously we do have some sensitive payment information. We have a core of business that's very large that we care about. Uh, we wanna make sure that fundamentally those things are protected uh, and obviously with the scale of the business, there's there's some investment that needs to be made there. But we don't need 24 by 7 security operations center telling me if, you know, different countries are hitting my email address. That's, uh, we're not regulated. That's an investment we're not willing to make. So strategically managing those risks is just as important, even if it's sort of less an investment. Um, but, uh, it, you know, manufacturing is uh, is the place where we feel most comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, we've said before, P Peter and I, we're, we're former bankers um, and, and in banking, you know, the, the cybersecurity uh, uh, lens or, or perspective has been there for decades, right? You, you, you had to, if you, you know, you can imagine if your bank account was hacked and yeah. your cash was extracted, that, that, that was something that was intolerable, you know decades ago. Um, so, you know, when we came out of that industry and saw sort of the posture of the rest of the world, it was a little surprising uh, to us, you know, that folks weren't. 
uh, it, more invested in cybersecurity. And then of course, through COVID, when we started to adopt more technology, um, it was prime, prime time, right, for folks who are, uh, who are threat actors to kind of go after this, this giant risk. And, and so I'm glad to see that, you know, it's starting to, to pivot, uh, you know, all, albeit, you know, uh, for, for bad reasons. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm thoroughly, um, I, I'm totally drawn to the threat actor term. I don't know why, yeah. I don't know what it is. In my mind right now, I'm coming up with a great Halloween costume that's around a threat actor. I like it. That's I, good. It's it's crazy, we, but I got something right. I think we were given that Peter from an insurance company that was uh, that was dealing with uh, an active ransomware situation that we were brought in on. Right? We were like, "Ooh, threat threat actor." That's a cool way to say it. We we just said yeah. bad guy. It's I become mean, more and more popular <laughs> term to use because yeah. <laughs> it makes sense for so many people. Yeah, yeah. It really, it really causes you to kind of go, "Oh, I get it." Like they're, you know, like it just it it sticks. It really sticks. So it's great. Yeah. it's great. Every time we come together, we we walk away with something out of it. You know, we've had cybersecurity whispers. We've had our ninjas. We now have threat actors. Threat actors. Mm -hmm. I, I think in that case, it was actually very applicable, right? That I think the mm -hmm. insurance company was negotiating with this unknown person that was emailing from different places and had different phone numbers. So threat actor was kind of, it was like, oh yeah, that, that one, that person made sense. Great resume builder. Great, like yeah. right there. Yeah. Previous yeah. job, threat actor. Everybody's like, and you can't see my jazz hands on the podcast. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, no, normally when we wrap up, we always we try to come away with um, a tip that you try to give everybody. And I, I didn't have you prepare, so I don't know if you have anything or not. But I thought I would ask just in case you guys have anything um, for a tip wise that you can offer to people. Um, if you don't, um, I may be able to come up with something. It may not be great, but I, I do prepare myself before we have these, these podcasts because I, I come prepared just in case. Well, I'd love to hear that one too, Haley. But <laughs> and and I I don't know how great of a tip this is, but it's something that we focused on in our, our session. And it, I did a, a real world example that I built by downloading some code, some Python code from the internet that stripped your, what you thought were encrypted Chrome passwords. So those passwords that while you're browsing the internet, you're hitting, yes, absolutely save that password to my Chrome password list. Um, so with just some simple browsing, you could go out and find code that would allow you to extract those. And yes, they are encrypted, but not if you have access somehow, maybe through a phishing email, and you get someone to launch that code, I demonstrated uh, running that code, stripping someone's passwords from their Chrome list, and then emailing in clear text that list to me. So just be um, vigilant on what you're using to keep your passwords. There are a lot <laughs> Don't of save them in the browser. Yeah, don't save them in the browser, not really recommended. There are some other great solutions out there that, that I, I stand behind using a password keeper, but using the appropriate one that um, is a bit more secure than those in the browser. Okay, so you recommend password keeper. That's what you use, Pete? Um, 
we use for our organization, it's called IT Glue. Uh, My Glue is, I think you can get as a personal level. Um, I, I use a Dropbox one that I, I feel pretty confident in for some personal data. Okay. Uh, Dashlane, uh, right? Uh, LastPass has been publicized as having some uh, some cyber issues, uh, but you know it's 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 a great technology as well. Uh, nothing's impervious, right? Uh, it, again, it's about layers of risk, but uh, using those tools, uh, a much more powerful way to deal with password management than writing them in a notepad and saving it to your computer or uh, clicking yes on those browser histories, um, you know, all, all things that you know you do, stop. you got to stop doing those things. Those are big risks. Wow, that's crazy. Kevin, what was that... Um... We were going to use it with our web developer and she, it was, uh, I said, uh, she said, if you put the information in this, I'll get the information. And then within so many seconds, it disappears. Oh, oh yeah. And I oh. said, oh, that's like mission impossible. <laughs> like I was so, I was so, no, no, it's not Snapchat. <laughs> I can't remember, but it was basically, she said, Hey, if you, um, were working with a web developer and she's like, if we'll need your logins and your passwords. And I was like, can I put that in the mail, send it to you on a letter piece of paper and do it that way. (laughs) And, uh, you know, like in my mind, I'm thinking, God, like, Oh, and she said, no, no, we have this thing. And you basically, you type it in, it sends it to her and she opens it up and reads it and and within if she tries to go back and reopen it it's gone it it basically shows it like it, it exploded and it's like mission impossible like this yeah. this message will destroy itself in 30 seconds right. and that's what it is so i didn't know if you'd heard anything about that or not and i was like oh that's kind of it's a neat little uh, trick if you need to share information we'll have to figure we'll have to go back and look it up and see what it is i obviously didn't dig in i've come across a tool like that and it's been a while since i yeah. looked at it but I can't recall the name, but if I come up with it, I'll share that too. Okay. But I should now look into it a little deeper. Like how secure is it? What is their level? (laughs) Yeah. You get, you get a cool exploding visual, but then Amazon packages are showing up at your neighbor's house. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, that's why I was bringing it up. Cause I was like, "Mm, I don't know if she realizes who we work with, you know, like we know some people. So, um, <laughs> no, some of those are very good. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just joking. We, those are great vendor tools, but all, you know, those, I guess the point is using those tools is, is, uh, it's very appropriate these days. You, you have to, you have to be very sensitive with your passwords. Yeah. Just be prepared, have it ready to roll and, you know, get your, <laughs> just, just educate yourselves. I think is the biggest thing. There's tons of education. We have a ton, obviously your, uh, breakout session is posted on our, it's on our YouTube page. We have it on there. It lives there. Um, you guys have a ton of great videos on all of your social media. Um, I love your new videos that you have out. Um, I, whoever did the work on those did a great job. Your little, the email video, um, John, were you the one that, was it you that said the Netflix subscription, almost like the subscription service you kind of use? Yes. That? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, 
we like to keep it simple. That's yeah. that's our that's our motto. Yeah, yeah, we are the Netflix of IT. You know, we we can't we can't let them know that I'm using that as a verb. Yeah. I'm sure that's an issue, but yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But you got it's out there, so we definitely we have all the information that you know you can go on and and see and to connect with all of your stuff through your site, through all of your social media that you have. You're on all the channels. You're on Instagram. You're on are you guys on Twitter? You're on Twitter, right? We tweet a little. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Um, Facebook, you're in LinkedIn, like they can find you. The information's there. So it's just doing the research. Um, it's probably all secure. You might need extra passwords to get in to watch it, but it's there. Um, so if anybody, That's right. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's just how we work. We know, we know how to make it work, but it's secret there. handshake to get in. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. So it's there. So for anybody that that is listening, um, it is it runs all levels, and so please just go out and educate yourselves. And if you need further, you can always reach out um, to Synagex directly, and you know, chat it up with them and see what they can help you with. And we'll do everything that we can. That's why we did the event, um, and we brought in the subject matter experts that we knew were important. Uh, that was the needs, and those were the wants for the people that attended. Um, for the last session. So your breakout room got great reviews. Those that um, were in there that loved it. Um, I think maybe our, our form for doing the evaluations may not be super secure, um, may have been hacked because only a certain <laughs> amount of people filled, filled it in. <laughs> so I'm going with that. I don't think that's true. I think people just kind of forgot, but, um, but for those that you know, responded, everybody really enjoyed it. Uh, they loved, they loved the rooms and it was very informational. They tons of value add that they took away from it, which was the goal for the event and for those sessions. So we appreciate it. So, yeah. So thanks guys. Thanks for being in here with us. We appreciate it. We'll have you back sooner rather than later next time. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. You. Yeah. You. Yeah. You're welcome. So thanks. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Mass MEP Manufacturing Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Mass MEP Manufacturing Podcast, transforming manufacturing enterprises. You can subscribe to our channel anywhere you listen to your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and you can always go to our website at massmep.org. So we'll see you next time, whether it's our space, your space, or cyberspace.